you'll open to the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 18, the last Sunday of the year. <laughs> For almost the entire year of 2023, minus a couple of months, we've been in the book of Genesis, and we've been looking at how it teaches us about redemption. And so we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about the beginning of redemption. That was chapters 1 through 12. And how God uh, has issued to us these promises of a coming Savior because of the sins that we've committed. And as we got into the story of Abraham, we changed it to the covenant of redemption. Not just these little uh, <clears throat> excuse me, promises that we're not really sure what he's doing. But now we're seeing a family. We're seeing a land. We're seeing all of these promises with the man named Abraham. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we're learning a lot about covenant that maybe we didn't know before. And that covenant is really beginning to impact our lives. That we are in a bonded relationship with God that he has chosen to take us and bring us to himself and, and make us his. It's an incredible truth. And for all that it required for him to be able to do so, the sending of his own son, the shedding of his blood, a resurrection from the dead, if covenant is really starting to make sense to us and is starting to really seep into our hearts, we're going to notice a difference, a drastic difference. We're going to live drastically different than everybody else. Our worldview is drastically different. We're going to have a great hope and a great confidence in what's to come. Our time is going to be spent much differently than it used to be. <clears throat> and our love for God and our love for others is going to pour out of us. This end of Genesis 18, <clears throat> it's a, a scary conversation that God is having with Abraham, but it's a really beautiful conversation that they're having as well. And as they interact, my prayer is that we will fully realize what we have in Jesus that we can come to him and approach him and that he speaks to us and that we can respond. And for those here that maybe are not in Christ through faith, haven't made that decision, that you will on this last Sunday of 2023 run to him in repentance and faith and find your salvation in Jesus. Genesis 18, starting in verse 16, if you have your Bibles open, please follow with me. So then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him 
that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. <clears throat> so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? <clears throat> Far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fares the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. <clears throat> he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray. Our Lord God, this is your word. Father, this book is not ours that we can do what we want with it. This is your truth, so may you give us understanding for it. <clears throat> Help us to know what you're saying here what you want us to learn. I pray, first and foremost, Lord, that we will see your glory. That you will be made great before our eyes. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you have come, that we may even say your name for we are simply but dust. For your patience with us as we struggle, as we obey here and there and, and then fall again, we lean on you that even this morning as we listen, as we hear, and as we know. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I 
I think we would all agree here, maybe, that God has a plan for his creation. That God, we saw back in the first chapters of this book, create the heavens and the earth. And he did it for a reason. He had a purpose for it. He had a plan for it. God, as some believe, he, he did not just create all things and then step back to watch what happens. Our God is intricately involved with all things because he is bringing it to his designed end. He is going to have an end that he has already planned and everything is moving in that direction. We got to understand that. We got to know that. There is a kingdom in heaven that's going to come to earth and God is going to reign on his throne forever and ever. He has told us this. That's where it's going. But for right now, he's creating for himself a kingdom, a people to be there with him. A wonderful, eternal kingdom of endless delight, peace, and unity among all people. And he's decided not to do this alone. He is going to bring about this end through us, through people. He's using people in this process and that's the wonder of covenant. That God chose Abraham, made a covenant with him, and says, I'm going to use this man to further my purpose. Something God could have done by himself, but he didn't want to. He wanted us. He loves us. And he, does, he delights in us. And so since God made a covenant with Abraham, making the two parties one... Now, God's plans are Abraham's plans. That, that's how covenant works. If, if, if two different parties make a covenant together, they now walk in the same direction. That's how covenant works. And so, when God comes to, to earth and he visits Abraham here, as I said, he has a twofold purpose. One was to convince Sarah that she was going to have a baby though it was against all nature and against uh, the, her medical diagnosis, all those kind of things. She's 90 years old, never had a baby before. God came to convince her, to give her faith that what he said was true. He had another purpose to come. You know, someone tells you, I have good news and I have bad news, right? <laughs> well, this is God. I have good news. Sarah's going to have a baby. I have bad news. Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be destroyed. They are a wicked people. They have done many wicked things before me. He says there's an outcry against them. Whether that's from possibly the oppressed of the city, just crying out against their oppressors. Maybe, we, we don't, it doesn't say what the outcry comes from, but it says that it's great. It bears a lot of weight. There's this great outcry coming from the city by probably those who are being hurt by the sin of the city. And he says, the outcry, this is verse 20, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave. The reason the cry is so great is because the sin is so grave. Right? The, the deeper and the worse the sin is, the louder the cry is to heaven against it. God already knows, but he comes to earth. He says here, he, he comes down as in human form to see it for himself, he says. 
kind of like when, you, when we're reading the Tower of Babel. It said that God came down to see the wickedness of men. He's using anthropomorphic language to, to, for us to be able to understand that God is coming and he's noticing. He sees. He's witnessing it. Because to make a right, just judgment, you need to have evidence, right? So he's showing us he has the evidence. He's heard the cries, and he's coming himself to see whether it is true. And he says, I'm in a covenant with Abraham. Now, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because their, their sin is so grave. The right thing to do, because sin leads to death, the right thing to do is put these cities to death because their sin is so awful. But I have bound myself to this man over here. So he should know what I'm doing because we're walking together now. My plans are all made known to him. And so I need to tell him what I'm going to do. And though it doesn't specifically tell us that moment that God tells Abraham, we know by verse 22, Abraham understands what's about to happen. Now remember, Abraham has relatives in Sodom. His nephew Lot had moved there. And Lot has a family now. He has a couple daughters and a wife. And they've been living there for some time. And in fact, as we get to Lot in chapter 19, it, it seems that Lot has become a, a leader in the city. He's, he's found there sitting at the gates, which is where the leaders of the city sat. So Abraham, this is not good news to him, is it? His family is in danger. And, and, and he's thinking, God, that's, that's not right. Why would you de destroy the whole city? My, my, my nephew Lot is there. And so he's thinking, you know, my... my, my nephew is the righteous one, right? That's what he's thinking. And in fact, the New Testament calls Lot righteous, um, which we wouldn't call him that by just the, the narrative, but we don't know man's heart as God does. So he begins this dialogue. He begins this dialogue with God. We need to understand what the scriptures say about the wrath of God. Wrath of God on, on an unbelieving world, a world that rebels against him. So we see that God is revealing to Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> and we can wrestle with this in our hearts. Because from our point of view, you know, obviously death is ugly. We, we, we don't really wish that on other people to, to think about a whole city being destroyed and the people that live there and uh, that, that's, that's, that's ugliness and we say yeah it is sin is ugliness but we also need to realize that we brought that on ourselves so look at this for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person who, which is in him so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God now we have received, not the spirit of the world, this is Christians, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. That's the, the, the unbeliever, all of us naturally born in sin. For they are folly to him. 
and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> so we need to come to grips with that truth. That as we read the Bible, anyone can read the Bible. But without the Spirit of God in you, it's not going to make a lot of sense. You're not going to believe it anyway. It, you're, you're reading the same words, but then as a Christian, the Spirit of God enters you and teaches you through the words, and it becomes a living book. It is a living book, but you see it growing in you and, and its desire for it. And you read these words, and you're realizing God has made a covenant with me, so he's letting me in on what he's doing. <laughs> because that's how covenant works. You walk together in life. And his purpose be purposes become my purposes, and his plans become my plans, and his view becomes my view. That's how covenant works. So God is review, revealing to Abraham all that he's about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. And as you read the Bible, you're getting the same thing. That's why we know that it was sin that leads to death. That's why we know that there is life after death for those who are in Christ. That's why we know there's eternal punishment for those who aren't in Christ. That's why we know. It's because he's letting us in on his mind. The Spirit of God is the only one that knows the mind of the Lord, but He is now in us, and we have the mind of Christ. Listen to what Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Thinking that's quite the promise. And some people treat those verses kind of like a genie in a bottle. <laughs> that's not how it works. You see, it's covenant. It's covenant. That we, as being brought into a relationship with God, are being molded into His likeness so that we think like Him, purpose like Him, plan like Him. Then when we are thinking like Him, we begin to pray according to his will. And he says, when you do that, I will give it to you. I mean, there's really no better example than right here in chapter 18. That's what Abraham's doing. He's saying, Father, I know my place. But listen, I, you can't do this. Destroying Sodom and Gomorrah if there's righteous people in there? That's not you. You see Abraham being conformed, transformed into the likeness of God, beginning to think the way God thinks. And we know that because God responds to him. But let's get to point number two here. We see that the covenant knowledge of God's people, right? So we have knowledge of God's mind because he has allowed us in to his plan book, his playbook, and we now understand what he is doing to a point, not fully, but to a point. And then we're supposed to respond. That's a privilege. This is what Abraham does. He hears the word of the Lord, and then he responds. Okay, let's get that. He hears the word of the Lord, and then he responds. Maybe some of you 
can agree with me. I think too many times my prayer life, I run into my father's room like a spoiled child with my list of desires. <laughs> you guys get that? I think healthy prayer always starts with him talking first. Him talking first. So we need to open our Bibles. We need to open our Bibles. We need to understand what God is saying. For us to rightly respond to him in prayer, we need to understand his mind. And he's given it to us. He has shown us himself. He has shown us what he's doing. So Abraham responding to the word of the Lord is a right thing. That's what God wanted from him. That's what a righteous man should do. I have heard from God this. He is planning on doing this. And I am responding to that, knowing his character and knowing his attributes. Abraham rightly responds. I want us to greatly encourage in our prayer lives. I mean, there's times to just pray, right? There's times when you maybe in a moment, a moment of panic, <laughs> say, help me, Lord. I mean, that's, that's a right thing to do. But when we come to the Lord in prayer, don't neglect his word. Because when we start neglecting his word, we're going to start praying wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of that. We will start asking for things that are not in his name, are not in his will. We're going to start thinking about ourselves and our selfish ambitions and desires. And, but it's when we get into the word of God that he transforms our minds to think like him. And our prayers are going to be extremely effective. So back to Abraham. He's, he knows Sodom and Gomorrah. He's saved Sodom before, if you remember that, from the kings from the east. He's went and conquered other kings to bring back Sodom. He's met their king. His family lives there. His cry is not that the wicked don't deserve to die, right? That's not his cry. His cry is that if there's righteous people in those cities, they don't. He understands that righteous people are not deserving of the wrath of God. That's how it works. If God, through your faith, declares you right before him, then you're not under his wrath anymore. Remember the promise given to Abraham from the very beginning, chapter 12. He says, the whole world is going to be blessed through you, Abraham. The whole world's going to be blessed through you. It's interesting now to see it on a small scale, a very small scale, but we're seeing people being blessed through Abraham. He's interceding on behalf of two massive cities of people. They don't know what's coming. They're carrying on like every, like every day. <laughs> Marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and going to work and you know, coming home and playing with the kids and making supper and cleaning up after supper. and They're just going about their lives. They have no idea that in just a few hours, fire from heaven was going to destroy all of them. They had no idea. But Abraham did. But Abraham did. He's the only one that did. And he intercedes for them. He's pleading before God for them. Don't destroy the righteous among the wicked. And he pleads for mercy, even on behalf of the sinners that live there. 
here's another point then we need to understand. Sinners need a mediator. <laughs> because when we are entrenched in sin, we don't understand God's purpose and plans. And we're carrying on with life thinking it's all about us and our desires and we're, you know, making plans for the weekend and we're, you know, going to work and we're, we have all these purposes and, and yet tomorrow may come judgment day and we don't even know. Only those in a covenant with God know. And if they're not going to plead for him, no one's going to. We need to plead for them. We need a mediator. And we're going to get to the one mediator that is pleading for us in just a moment. But here's his plea. God, if there's just but 50 righteous people in there, and for the, the how many people lived in those cities, 50 wasn't a month, wasn't very much. So there's just 50. Can you spare everybody? Just spare. And God says, yes, I'll do that. Then Abraham realizes, well, I know these cities. <laughs> I don't think there's 50 righteous people there. And he begins to decrease and decrease and decrease until he gets to 10. God, if there's just, just 10... <laughs> But I love that as he speaks to God, he never forgets his place. Yes, we are in a covenant with God. Yes, Abraham was in a covenant with God. Yes, he is friends with God, but this is not a covenant of equals. He is not approaching God as an equal. And every time he comes to God, there, you see the fear of God in him. Who am I? You know, he's like, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord I am but dust and ashes. I am nothing to you, God. I am nothing. But will you hear my cry? And God listens to him. We have rights, it says, as children of God. But listen, we are not and nor will we ever be equal to the Lord. So I, I hope that when we do pray... First we listen, first we listen to him, and then when we come to him, we do so in the fear that Abraham showed. I don't deserve to speak with you, most high one, the holy consuming fire of heaven. But have my ear, have mercy on me. May we pray as Abraham did, knowing our place, knowing the mind of God and praying with great humility. And that's what the Bible says. If we do so, our prayers will be answered. <laughs> if we pray according to the mind of the Lord that he has shown us in his word and we do so with great humility, it says, I, he says, it's his promise, <laughs> I will give you whatever you ask. That's incredible. That the prayer of a righteous person accomplishes so much. So Abraham does what is right here. He does what is right here. He responds to the word and he pleads on behalf of other people. If he didn't plead for them, there was nobody else 
There was nobody else to do it. God's judgment was set. And it was right, okay? It was right. But it was set. And so the deal was made. In a way, we could even say Abraham moved the hand of God with his pleads. That if he found ten righteous people in these two massive cities, God would spare all of them. That in a way, the wicked would be blessed through Abraham. Pretty neat. May we not forget the greatest miracle of prayer. Yeah, we get to talk with the Lord. But he listens. That's the most marvelous point of covenant. I could say, yeah, God brings us into a covenant with him, and, uh, you know, it's all him. We're just slaves. We're almost like robots. We just do whatever he says. But that's not what he loves. He loves us. And so he desires communication. He desires dialogue. And he tells us his word, and he longs to hear from us, it says. Isn't that incredible that he listens to us? He hears us, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one whose word created light, the one who formed us from the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life, now listens to us. That our requests can either move or keep the hands of God. The Lord agrees to Abraham's request. Abraham knows his God and that God would be unrighteous to kill righteous people. And so now there's, if there's ten there, wrath of God would be alleviated and the, and the cities would not be destroyed. All right? That was the prayer. That was the answer to the prayer. I can't even stand up here and, and confidently explain how prayer works. <laughs> That, that men and women who are with God can speak to him and that he listens to us. I, I don't fully grasp that. I mean, think about it. Prayer is one of the most common things of religion, isn't it? And yet, it's also one of the greatest mysteries of Christianity. But may we learn here the proper way to bring our requests. The proper way. You see, we don't read a lot of scripture in our church just because that's what we're supposed to do. We do it because it's food for our souls. And we do it to know the mind of the Lord. So even in the very beginning, Dave gets up here and he reads scripture right away to get that in us, to get us thinking that way. So that by the time we get to our praise and prayer time, we're already thinking upon what God thinks upon. It's all purposeful that way. May we do that in our private times as well. But may we learn here the proper way to have a voice before the Lord. Abraham was only able to communicate with God, and don't miss this. Abraham was only able to communicate, communicate with God because God said he could. <laughs> That's it. Well, we'll get there in a second.
So that's the last of your notes there. It says, Abraham was only able to have a voice before God because the Lord said he could. He had declared Abraham righteous through faith. We saw that. And now they're having fellowship with each other, God and Abraham. Abraham did this well. He listened to God. Then he spoke. And he spoke according to the character of God. He spoke according to the word of God. I, I just pray that we don't take prayer for granted. <laughs> that we forget to do it. Prayer moves and keeps back the hand of God. And he has willingly orchestrated human history to involve prayer. And to neglect it is to neglect the greatest gift that we have, minus maybe our salvation, that we can commune with the Most High God. Now we're going to find out next week God, God didn't find ten righteous people. These were two extremely wicked cities. But he honored the prayer and he honored his character by rescuing the righteous ones out first. But I don't want to end their time just talking about prayer. That is certainly important. You must understand that you cannot have an audience with God unless you're in a covenant with him. God hears his own, right? Prayer is only effective to those who are in a covenant with God. Sinful and darkened hearts are not welcomed into the Holy of Holies. That's why we are not able to come to the Father through Abraham. You see, it's not about Abraham. It's always been about Abraham's offspring. That's what it's always been about. And that's what Paul taught in Galatians. His offspring is not the nation of Israel. It's actually Jesus. That's his offspring. And so when the whole world is blessed through Abraham, it's through his offspring, who is Jesus Christ, the mediator, the one who stands in the gap between sinners and the holy God. We know him as Jesus. Listen to this, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Listen to everything that we've just talked about is <laughs> really kind of wrapped up in this, in this passage. First of all, Paul says to the church, I urge that supplications and prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. All right? That's your calling as a Christian is to plead to God on behalf of other people. For kings, for all who were in high positions, I appreciate that being a prayer request this morning that we pray for our leaders, that we, okay, here's the answer to the prayer though, pray, that these pray for your kings and all are in high positions so that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved. There's the mind, there's the heart of God, we're learning him, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Do you see that there now? We see it in Genesis as the beginning, as a small form of this, that there was one city, or two cities, that are deserving of God's wrath, 
And there is God who is going to judge them. And Abraham stands between and says, wait, I want to plead for them. And they were ended up destroyed. And it's pointing to his offspring, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, who's going to stand in between not just one or two cities, but a whole world of people who have disobeyed and gone against the commandments of God. And in between them and God the Father, whose righteous anger is, is going to come against them in fire and judgment. And, and, and Jesus says, wait, I'm not just going to plead for them, I'm going to die for them. I'm going to take their punishment upon me that I can now transfer your favor to them. The favor that I earned in my obedience and, and, and desire for, for, for your will. There's only one mediator now that is actually effective. Jesus the Christ. And because of his mediation, you and I are saved. If you have put your trust in him. Who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. But for us who are in Christ, we take upon him, his, his purposes and his plans and his mind and his desires. He is a God who desires all to be saved. He is a God who pleads on behalf of sinners. So what should the church be doing? Same thing. If it doesn't break your heart for those who are dying in their sin, then we don't have the mind of God. You don't. If you're not urged to, to pray and plead for them, Lord, have mercy on such and such, say their names. Lord, save them. God urges us to pray for all people, just like Abraham did. He is a good example here for us. We are to do this because God desires all people to be saved. And we can pray like this because Jesus is our mediator. Not Abraham, not any other priest on the earth. No human being can be our mediator and be effective. But Jesus plead to the Father, accept my blood on their behalf. Draw them to yourself that they may be righteous. Change their hearts to walk in righteousness. The righteous Listen, the righteous are not destined for wrath. That's a beautiful and wonderful eternal truth. So I just want to give you three quick application points. First and foremost, trust in Christ. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one that can save us from the fire of judgment that's coming because of sin. He's the only one. He spares us from death, only Him. If we try it any other way, we will end up under the judgment of God. Secondly, listen to the Word of God before you speak. We are a people who like to talk too much, aren't we? Listening is harder. It's almost a lost art. But if we don't listen to God, we won't speak well, especially in prayer. Listen to him. Allow his word to conform your mind and your heart to him that you can pray well, pray effective. And lastly, plead for those who are still under the wrath of God. Never stop pleading. 
Because as long as it's called today, today is the day of salvation. We don't know if we have tomorrow. So we plead for them before God, and then we plead with them to their face. <laughs> Come to Christ. He saves. He forgives your sin. He will take you out of judgment and bring you to eternal life. Only Him. Trust in Him. Will you bow your heads with me? I want to strongly urge you that if you don't know if you're saved or not, cry out to Him in your heart right now. Admit that you're a sinner in need of judgment. That's what we deserve. But plead for mercy through Christ. Acknowledge Jesus is the only way. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've already repented of sin and trusted in Him, will you plead in your hearts for people right now? Think of people you know who don't know Him and plead for them. Our Father, I thank you that you hear us. We know it's only through Christ that we have the right. But we are grateful. Father, being in a covenant with you brings great responsibility. And I pray that we won't just push that aside. That we have been given the ministry of reconciliation because we have been reconciled to God through Jesus. Father, whatever that means to us this morning, a reconciliation with people. God, may we cry out for those who need to be with you. Father, may we cry out for those that we're separated from, for forgiveness in relationships. Father, help us. Even as Christians, Lord, we still wear this flesh and we're so prone to sin and selfishness. Help us. Help us. Father, may your word do its work in our hearts. As we leave here this morning, I pray that we won't forget it. Help us pray better. Help us think better. Help us plan better. Help us speak better that we may honor you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.